You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Grindy Crew Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gab. She's back. And today, narrating will be Todd Fox. That's right. But before we get into our episode, we're going to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grindy Crew Crime Podcast. And there you can find our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And also, if you want to uh, see a video content of our some of our recordings, you can find us on YouTube. I just type in Grinding True Crimes as well, and there you can see a video uh, content of our recording. And if you just want to listen to us on your podcast stream here in the U.S., you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. If you like what you hear, and you want to leave a uh, donation to support what we do, you can leave it on Cash App. Uh, just type in uh, dollar sign grinding true crimes, or you can leave it on PayPal. All you have to do is type in at grinding true crimes. Um, listener's discretion is advised. As we do go into detail, that can be graphic for a certain audience. So listener's discretion is advised. And if you heard our recording uh, last time, we did a dedication show uh, in uh, remembrance of uh, Marilyn Rice, one of our uh, super fans. Uh, we did have uh, the um, she requested uh, us to do a recording. And uh, I think we're going to cover that in a couple of weeks because we already had some things lined up. But we will do the recording as requested uh, from Marilyn in about a couple of weeks. Also, live show will be next Sunday at 9 p.m., 9 a.m., Pacific time. We were we were going to do it this morning, but uh, Gabby Gabs wasn't feeling one hundred percent. But she is almost there. But I guarantee you, by next week, we'll be all ready for that live show. So once again, the live show will be next Sunday. Today's the fifth, so that means the twelfth, uh, February twelfth at nine a.m. Pacific time. Ah, <sighs> I got all of that out the way. <laughs> Did I leave anything else out? No, I think you got it. I think I got it. I think I got it. All right. All right. You got it all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gabby Gab has been surely missed. A lot of fans have been uh saying you're good. Well, do you want to say something, Gabby? Yes, what? thank you. I appreciate all the nice comments people have left and the good wishes. I am COVID free and just dealing with some vertigo still who doesn't want to go away, but Hopefully, like Matt said, next week, I'll finally go back to normal. But I'm here now. I can see better. That's right. So it's good yeah, to have you. Had a, she's had a month in, uh, or a year in one month. So we're glad. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 2024 needs to hurry up. 2023. That was a nice welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> Great start for her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're glad she's back. Absolutely. It wasn't the same without her. 
Nope. Aw, I feel special. <laughs> no. A lot of the fans said that too. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> now, um, with all that being said, let's kick off this episode. Todd, tell us what you got. Okay, well, my story tonight is called 77 Minutes of Hell. Ooh. Is it going to take 77 minutes of story time? Of it may. <laughs> it Dang. may. Yeah, this one's a little bit longer than the other uh, stories, so just bear with me on this one. Buckle up. Buckle up. Yeah, hold on to your butts. <laughs> um, well, we're going to start off talking about something that just about everybody in the world knows about unless you're in the deep uh you know african serengeti or maybe you're somewhere stuck as a villager that's never ventured out of the amazon somewhere somewhere that something that um is almost as recognizable as the bible and i, I hate saying that and it's not going to be like you know don't don't take that out of context but but think about it i mean you, everyone knows of the bible and everybody knows basically of mcdonald's Right. Mm -hmm. True. McDonald's started in San Bernardino, a little hole in the wall here in California, and it blossomed to all over the freaking world. All over. And you can't go anywhere without knowing what a Big Mac is, what a Happy Meal is. Uh, It's just everywhere. So (laughs) it's it's a you know, it's it's worldwide. Um, And basically, that's what's going to play into our story tonight. Um. You know, everyone's had a relationship with McDonald's in some way or uh, shape or form. You know, whether they had a birthday party there growing up, you had fun playing in the kids area, your first uh, time eating a, a, you know, ice cream cone from McDonald's, a fast food restaurant was, that was probably the first restaurant that had shakes and and, and ice cream cones and, you know, uh, toys, like legit toys. When I was growing up, um, they had Tonka toys, they had Hot Wheels, they had, they even gave away VHSs of when the Ninja, Ninja Turtles were popular. They actually gave those away in Happy Meal. I remember. Yeah, so I mean, you you had a bit. I never of it. got a Happy Meal as a kid. Okay. You ne- what? Never. Shockingly. Wow. You know, I resented that because we were children. We wanted a Happy Meal, but that's not what would happen. We would go, and my dad would order food for everybody, whatever he ordered. You know, you didn't have really a choice. Mm-hmm. Now, as a grown person who struggles sometimes financially. It makes sense. Like, now I get it. The man was the only one working. His wife was always sick. Obviously, my mom's always had health problems. And he had to raise four kids on his budget, have a place to live, have food on the table. So I get it. It wasn't easy for him to just buy everybody individually what they wanted. Yeah, that's true. Kind of get what you can get, right? Back then, yeah. they were like, what, 39, 49 cent cheeseburgers or stuff like that? Oh, yeah. 29 cents hamburger on Wednesdays. Yep. And you yeah. want to know how you want to know how ghetto my school was, my elementary school. We we took a freaking um, field trip to a McDonald's. <laughs> we did too. <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> okay, see, my field trip was better. We went to Bullwinkle when it was still there. Oh wow! You don't. You never went to Bullwinkle. I grew up in South Central. Oh my God! It was the cutest place. I heard. And they took us to a tour in the kitchen. They put horns on us. Yeah. yeah. At, least you got, you, at least you got horns. We just went downstairs. They showed us a tour of where they keep the meat, and uh, my mom swears. Oh, yeah. My mom swears it was a uh, kangaroo meat back then. She's like, it, it can't be any real meat because it doesn't fry up right. And I'm like, well, they don't fry it. I saw they microwave it. You know what I mean? They put them in those weird yellow trays. Uh, 
but yeah i mean we got to see mcdonald's from the inside out and it was kind of weird because i'm like oh i don't want to eat here anymore as a kid and then i'm like the next day my mom's like you want a happy meal yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that stuff was addicting and you know over the years during the 70s and 80s that the mcdonald's food was not made healthy at all even the 90s Uh Like they, the early two thousands, even they started to finally get a, get away from the oversaturated food, the fat. And they were putting sugar in their buns to mm-hmm. get you to eat more. So a lot of people were having heart failure, diabetes. I mean, there's been a great amount of memes about Ronald McDonald being a real, you know, super villain because you know, <laughs> responsible for a lot of deaths due to the food and stuff. He always creeped me out. Yeah, I mean. And and this goes back to the day too. We're gonna travel back to uh, around the time of 1975. So this is gonna be a time period where this is at the height of McDonald's popularity. I think with with people going to the restaurants and having um, what do you call it um, the hamburger. I mean the, the 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 toy the all the all the stuff was at its height. You know, kids went there to have birthday parties. I mean, it was. It was a place to go at one point because they were exploding all over the nation and the world. Mm. So, um, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk about our main person of focus tonight, and that would be the um, one James Huberty. 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 He was going through puberty. Yeah, I bet you he got that a lot. Oh, I bet he did. Hey, James Puberty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I bet he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Canton, Ohio in 1942, October 11th to be um, exact. Mm-hmm. Um, when Huberty was uh, three years old, he contracted polio, which uh, is a devastating thing for your uh, your motor skills and your being able to walk, jacks with your legs and things like that. Um, he suffered about uh, he suffered through this to about 11 or 12 which caused him permanent walking disability so he had uh trouble walking and uh do you know his motor skills sometimes would be off like he wouldn't didn't have strength in his legs sometimes um but in the early 1950s his father uh bought a farm in pennsylvania amish country which the amish are those uh bible people that really don't get into any kind of technology they still have the horse and buggy the their their idea of a fun time is not to go to Florida South Beach, but to build a barn, barn raisins. Yep, let's have a good old fashioned barn raisin, and leave them alone. Yeah, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> let's just say their women are natural with beards, Stop and it. hairy legs. Stop uh, it. Just saying, <laughs> kind of cover up everything. Don't show anything. Stop it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. So, um, <laughs> his uh. <laughs> James's mom wasn't liking that though. Um, she got uh, this. This would cause problems as he was a child, and uh, before he puberty hit puberty, um, <laughs> his mother was deep into bat, uh, to the Baptist religion. She would try to study with that, and um, uh, she would reject the Amish lifestyle that the father wanted. The father really mm-hmm. wanted to get into the whole horse and buggy thing and resist technology, and she's like, "No, I don't think so." So he went back and forth, and that led to a lot of arguments in the household. Um, but James is a little different. Um, he didn't experience or show any kind of weaknesses in school, any kind of like problems. Um, he, however, would go out with his father hunting a lot. And um, so he did learn how to use a gun pretty early. And um, 
he he uh, would would kill animals, but to eat them, not to destroy them, or to uh, you know like like other killers play with them. Yeah, exactly. Um. In 1962, because again, we don't have much of his high school or junior high time, mm-hmm. but in 1962, um, at the age of 20, Huberty enrolled in Jesuit Community College, where he earned a degree in sociology, uh, which is kind of weird Keep it, when you find out what happens later on, but um, this is the study sociology of development of structure and functioning of the human society in general, how it relates to each other, and also the basic study of social problems and uh, dealing with uh, the research of mass media, the environment, racism, gender issues, class deviance, and social control. So all the things that are going on right now. He was Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So he was well ahead of his time at that. You know, he had a, he had a degree. SJ, he was SJW. Exactly. He was understanding SJWs at the same time. So, mm. yeah. Um, so with all these credentials with his degree, you would think he would get a job in, you know, social justice or some sort of uh, form of government, right? Yes. What job do you think he went for and got? Well, being that we were talking about McDonald's, I'm going to say he worked at McDonald's. No. Gabby? Um, I don't think it has to do with what he studied, so I'm going to think maybe police? No, you can kind of call that close, but he actually went way off of, of uh, the reservation, so to speak, as far as what you would think he would be into. And if you guys would have nailed this, believe me, I would not I would never doubt you on anything you said ever again, but... <laughs> <laughs> He literally went out and got his license to be a mortician. What the heck? Was he talking like this at the end of the show? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to be an undertaker. <laughs> oh, wow. I yeah, didn't he, expect that one. He followed Maddie's uh, advice and went and was an undertaker for sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What the hell does his career have to do with mortician? I don't know what social justice has to do with that, but... Hey, man. Some dead people can be scary, bro. I'm just saying. I guess. But uh, it's it's there in school before he got his license to be an undertaker. He met and married his wife, Etna. So keep her Edna. in mind. Yeah, Etna. Etna Moe. Mm-hmm. That's such an older name, too. Mm-hmm. It is. They had uh, two daughters, by the way, uh, quickly after their marriage. Uh, Celia and Cassandra. Okay. Uh, so the, 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 the family settled in Macedonia, Ohio, and uh, James worked as an undertaker at the Don Williams Funeral Home in 1971 at 29 years old. He got his job there and was doing really good. Nice. Uh, the Huber- Huberty family was forced, though, to relocate back to Canton, however, when their house in Macedonia uh, was set ablaze. Now, there's no details on how the fire started, who did it, or if it was accident or sabotage of some sort, but they lost their their home that they built up for only two years there in that small town. Dang. Yeah. I'd be suspicious about this. Pretty much. Now, Now, keep this in mind, too, as we move forward in the story. 
Um, undertakers, I don't know if you've ever met one. I've met one when I would drop off um, supplies over at the uh, forest lawn mortuary. Um, those people that work with the bodies that view dead bodies, whether they're natural cause, whether they're car accidents, fire, gunshots, whatever, they tend to be very robotic when it comes to dead bodies and humans in general. Like they're very cold. Like they don't look at people the same way after working for even a brief amount of time to a long period of time with dead bodies. So Mm -hmm. keep that in mind moving forward. Okay. That's um, gonna be a clue. It's gonna be on the test, the quiz afterwards. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah, like nothing really shocks these people. They've tend to seen it seen mostly the worst acts of human behavior on people's bodies or just yeah. death in general. And uh, it's like nothing else. They just work with it, you know, they just move ahead. It makes sense though, because that's your job. And if you let it affect you, then you can't do your job. That's true. So you got to have some form of like wall over your heart to make sure that you focus on what you have to do without it letting affecting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you kind of, you kind of like become cold to certain things, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't really bother you. So as time moves on, Huberty and his wife back over there in Canton, um, start having some issues inside the house, more, more arguments back and forth to where the police were called on several occasions and they had physical altercations to where uh, the state came in and took the kids for a little while. Oh, damn. Until they can get, go to classes and prove that they're not going to beat each other up. So. Dang. Yeah. He was really the undertaker then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and this wasn't just on him. So Edna, at this time, when they get the kids back later in that year, um, Celia was going to school and getting bullied and she wanted to go to her teachers and tell them that it needs to stop. Well, Etna told her daughter, she, she's like, here, pick up a brick, take this, um, this hammer, do something. Let the, if you can't hit her, then you beat her. Okay. She was telling her to, to use force and weapons. It's like, take this to school. <laughs> Handle your business, girl. Handle your business. I mean, hey, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, hey, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't I have gone that extreme, but I ain't mad. <laughs> I don't know. My kids were getting bullied. I, I definitely, if nobody's doing anything about it, hey, I've told my kids, nobody's helping you and you're getting bullied, you're going to do it right back. Yeah, I would say use fist, though. I wouldn't say, yeah, use I would fist. say use fist, though. Like I said, but I'm, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, she was preparing her to defend herself, but damn, that was a little extreme. <laughs> I mean, if she getting jumped, I, I, yeah, all all bets are off. She's getting jumped. That's true. Yeah, yeah. When you're getting jumped, it's like, yeah, I agree with Matt all the way. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know what? I just thought, stop it, man. <laughs> Matt was right. I didn't get that first. <laughs> He's like, is that the Undertaker? Undertaker. I did too. That's why I did the voice and I thought about it. It's like, you're so disrespectful, Todd. (laughs) He's just saying what Matt said. I'm just saying, he's so disrespectful. (laughs) I'm just agreeing with the man. Uh, So if you think that behavior was a little weird by Etna, well, you'll see this is another weird thing. Now, you know how annoying it is when you go into a store, and I'm sure it's happened to everyone out there, where you go to a shelf and you're about to get something, you kind of second thought and you're all, mm, I don't know if that fits in the budget or I don't know if we need that 
that two liter of soda. But then the moment you say, okay, let me grab it, someone grabs it right in front of you. Yep. yep. And they take it, then it's the last one. Mm-hmm. Well, I bet you none of us said, well, you know what? You took that last two liter and then they pull out a nine millimeter from their purse and threaten the person. I mean, Whoa. nowadays. <laughs> I mean, last night I went to go get some horchata. <laughs> my boy got the last one and I, I, I felt come some type of way, man. <laughs> like, man, you going to drink that whole thing? <laughs> but did you have a nine millimeter in your purse, though? Was it ready? <laughs> no. No, sir. I don't have a purse, and I didn't have a nine millimeter. <laughs> you carry a purse. You got a problem. You know I, don't, I don't carry a purse, sir. I'm not this, one of them. This is California, by the way, so anything's you possible. Anything but, is possible. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> but anyway, she pulled a nine millimeter out of her purse and threatened the woman. So she was over probably, a two liter soda. I don't know what it was. I'm just using two liter as. Oh, a, okay, okay. Oh, but, my bad. but it was the last thing on the shelf. Doesn't say, but she she was arrested, but let out like right away. She was you know bailed out whatever. Of course. Wait, yeah. this is a mom. Yeah, this is a mother. Jesus. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is a, a kind of stuff that was happening in Canton, Ohio. Um, and then at this time too, James w- would buy a few guns for himself. He liked to do target practice. Um, you know, and being rural Ohio, there's, you know, no one's going to trip about shooting late night or during the day. So stuff like that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now around 1979, 1980, uh, the family would move or make a dramatic move from Ohio to Southern California, uh, to the small town of San Ysidro, California, which oh, is, wow. yeah, which is just South of San Diego, California, which is at the Southern tip of California at the border leading into mexico correct it is a border town um so let me give you a quick background on san ysidro um it's a place where this whole thing takes place uh it's mainly a border town has a population of about twenty-eight thousand. uh back then it was twenty-one thousand. mostly a blue collar hard-working city where the population is about 60 percent or more hispanic uh, about 30 percent or less white and uh, about 10 percent other um yeah and so when uh the huberty family would move there he would get a job as a welder and he would also get involved with the um the union so it was a good paying job Mm. um although they traveled from um canton to southern california the domestic violence did not stop um so there was uh a few times where james went to work with black and blue eyes cuts on his forehead um etna uh, had her jaw broken uh, when she uh, what? Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he beat her so hard it broke her jaw. So hey. damn, they really got aggressive with they, each other. Oh yeah, off, huh? no kidding, man. Uh, just they should have just kept it the sexy time, but uh, no, it went outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Etna figured out a way to calm him down though by reading tarot cards, which is those uh, spirit cards or whatever. Pardon me now for your psychic reading. <laughs> what was her name again, Matt? Miss Cleo. There you go, Miss Cleo. Just call the 1-800 number. Uh, what about Miss Cleo? Pardon me now for your third reading. <laughs> I mean, every morning we used to watch. <laughs> what don't you know? Jeez. Hey, man. Like of all trades. <laughs> He's like, if you want useless information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. 
So those tarot cards are, you know, if you pick up certain cards, how it goes is, you know, kind of like gives out your fortune or your future or your daily activity. And, um, well, she would manipulate the cards to where they always came out positive. And James would uh, look at this and be like, all right. He'd be, like, and he'd be happy. He'd, he'd go along with it, you know? <laughs> and she's like, wow, you won again. You're going to have a great day. He's a, oh, man. I'm going to be nice and happy and everything's going to go good. I don't have to beat you today. She's all, you mm-hmm. <laughs> so, You stupid idiot. <laughs> she's like, I'm not getting my job broken again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> So we've talked about, you know, serial killers that have gotten head injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Oh. Um, if they're going through all this and they keep getting, like, police involved and stuff. Like, do, do they serve time at all or they just don't press charges? There's no pressing of charges. The only the only time she went to jail was when she pulled a gun on that lady in Canton. Yeah. That was it. And they had the, they had the um, kids complain. To, or or someone heard about it and then they got the kids taken away for a little bit but then the the violence just went back to normal so wow the kids just started putting up with it and being like eh, whatever it's just mom and dad dang that's sad yeah for real yep so um they were in a three-bedroom home in a nice area of san Ysidro, and everything was going good and again you know there's really no bedwetting no uh head injuries at this time so he's just regular old you know fighting with his wife james um they had a german shepherd dog and it barked a lot and it ran around and any kind of noise it kind of just was pissing off the neighbors so his neighbor kept complaining when he'd come home from work or in the morning and be like man james can you shut your freaking dog up i'm tired of hearing it so james just let it roll off his shoulder over and over and over didn't say much just said okay i'll take care of it neighbor hidely ho i got you (laughs) You know, so one one day James wasn't having it though. The neighbor came home and said, "Look, can you please shut your goddamn dog up?" So James was like, "All right," and he walked into his garage, pulled out his twenty two, and he put the gun to the dog's head and blew it. <gasps> Dang! Right in front of the neighbor, broad daylight. Oh Dang. my god! Yeah, and didn't finish. Jesus. No, I was just gonna say, I mean he shut him up, but dang, not, I didn't expect that. Yeah, and the neighbor the neighbor right away said, I told you to shut the dog up, not kill it. Oh my god, what the hell did you do that for? And he's like, Is he being quiet? And he walked away. Dang. <laughs> yeah. God. So, that was the only history outside of the beating of violence that we you know, he did anything to an animal. He just killed his own German shepherd. The dog, the family dog, boom, blew it away. Um, now he would have a motorcycle accident, but he was wearing his helmet. Um, this, however, though, caused him in 1983 to have an issue with his his arm. Now, back then, when you when you tear tendons or something like that, they didn't have the surgery to repair your arm. The they they you know they don't have the stuff that they have today or in the early you know late 90s to early 2000s to repair you know tendon damage so and especially you needed you know really good money and a really good doctor to even attempt something like that so he apparently jacked up his nerve endings in his arm and um it would cause it to twitch so Uh 
being a welder and you have an unsteady arm, you're not going to keep not, it. Yeah, not a good job. No, no. So, And he could only stay on disability for so long. So basically he lost his good union job and they couldn't afford the mortgage. So whatever money they had saved up, he's like, we're already close to Mexico. It's cheaper down there. So in 19, early 1984, he moved his family to Tijuana. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tacos. Exactly. Did he speak any Spanish? That I don't know. <laughs> but he, he was probably forced to do it. So yeah, Probably. Yeah. But in TJ, though, you're going to find people that speak English. Yeah. Oh. There's there's actually a lot of uh, white people down in Mexico. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that will cross the border to work and then go back home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people speak English. Oh. Exactly. It's not as what you'd think it was maybe 20 years ago, even. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, they, his family would stay down there for a few months, but then find it hard, and he couldn't find no really steady job. So a friend of his said, I have a security job up here, and he wound up moving back. They saved up a little money, and they got a three-bedroom apartment. So a couple months after that, he was doing he was doing a, a security. Everything seemed to be going right, but then here's where we hit like just all sorts of problems. Mm. Um, he got fired for what for reasons unspecified from the security job. So he was out. He's got a three bedroom apartment to pay, and uh, you know he's not working. The wife Edna is just working a part time job, so they're not going to really make it if this this trend continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, he's getting more and more distant as he's frustrated. He's staying home on the couch, watching TV, having a couple beers. He's not really making an attempt to get back to work because he feels useless. His arm is jacked up. Um, he starts to complain about hearing voices, and Ooh. the tarot <clears throat> cards aren't working anymore. He's, he's I'm wise to you, woman. And so um, he was hearing voices. It was those tarot cards. Could be. You never know. Could have brought some spirit. Cleo. <laughs> yeah, Miss Cleo's like, call me number. <laughs> she was paying him a visit. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to call you. What are you talking to? <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so So we're gonna go we're gonna have a day here, but it's it's not one that something actually happens, but it's close to. It's July 17th, 1984, just a day before everything went down. Uh, James would place a fateful call to a receptionist at a mental health center in the San Diego area. The receptionist would ask him a few questions because it was sort of like the cell, like one of the first like help lines, you know, suicide help lines or the, you know, you're going through some issues, you need some advice, you know, you want to talk mm-hmm. to somebody, they have a psychiatrist or whatever, they'll call you back, doctors. It was early on in those type, type of deals. Mm-hmm. And um, he requests to talk to somebody. Now, the receptionist did one critical thing, well, actually two critical things. Oh. She wrote, she, he kind of talked himself out of it and she didn't take it as, he, it's a real cry for help. Like, she felt that the way he was talking that it was a problem, but not as bad of a problem to where he needed assistance right away. So she put on the note, she misspelled his name first off, and then she put on the note, um, call back at earliest convenience to one of the psychiatrists. So usually when there's an issue, they say call back ASAP, call back within two hours or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, no, she did not. 
because uh, he called, I guess, early in the morning hours before they were open. So they had a 24-hour receptionist. And then when the psychiatrist or whatever come in, they're going to call him back. So, but she did tell him, "I'm gonna, we're going to have someone call you back. So it felt really, uh, he was feeling really emotional, really d- distraught. And he had feelings of, um, you know, self-hurt and all this other stuff. So he actually, because again, this is before cell phones, 1984. He's, he's um, sitting by the phone all damn day. Dang. All damn day. So Dang. he waited and waited. He waited all day till the, I guess the hospital or whatever, the psychiatry place was closed at six o'clock. So you're talking, he made the phone call around six, seven in the morning. And then the place opened up at nine. He, you know, they should have called him back before lunch. And he waited by the phone past dinner and they never called him back. Dang. Dang. That might have triggered him. Yep. So by this time in the evening, his wife kept, you know, coming in and out of the house the kids were around and she said that he was mumbling to himself. He was getting more and more agitated as the day went on. And um, he just was really upset. And she tried talking to him and he just didn't want any of it. So um, she said he slept on the couch that night, did not sleep in the bed with her and uh, woke up early the next morning on July 18th, 1984. This day would live in San Diego history and San Ysidro history till this day and infamy mostly San Ysidro but it's weird because when I get into what happens you're not going to believe that this is a story that you don't know about or you haven't heard about it's crazy I don't think I have it's it's crazy trust me because there's very little information about this story now they did a documentary not too long ago on this but there's other than that and maybe a handful of podcasts have gotten onto this one there really isn't too much information on it. It's not even that much information on YouTube. Mm. Um, so you have to search online to find what really happened that day. And I'm, I got most of what I could. So don't kill me if I don't have all the details. <laughs> <laughs> you know they will. <laughs> oh, they will. They will. <laughs> Especially on YouTube. Especially on YouTube. It wasn't that street, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you misspelled his name. <laughs> um. Okay, so um, James decided to rally the kids and his wife and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's have a let's have a day today." And he had some money left, and he took the family of four to the San Diego Zoo, which is a great zoo down there. If you ever get a chance, if you're in California, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went down there. They had a great time. They would stop by a local McDonald's that was mm-hmm. only a few blocks from the apartment, so you could pretty much see their apartment from the mcdonald's and vice versa and uh back in those days just like chuck e cheese you would have kids that would go there the parents buy a birthday cake and then they invite their friends and then you know the other parents of the other kids can choose to buy cheeseburgers for their kids or or they bought cheeseburgers and you have parties you open up the rat you know the gifts and then you jump in the the ball pit and slide down the slides and you, you know you get your toys there too at mcdonald's so it was a good place to go back in the day and a good hangout Mm-hmm. So that's what was taking place at the time. So there was uh, this particular McDonald's in San Ysidro can hold up to about 50 to 55 people. And uh, so it was a pretty big McDonald's. And mm-hmm. uh, so he has lunch there with the kids and everything and or, or, or uh, yeah, lunch or so. And, uh, you know, he he enjoys himself and everything. And then, uh, you know, they, they get on their way and they, they head for home. So um, 
End of story. No, just kidding. Uh, How about say? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> now they they get to the apartment, and uh, you know, about an hour or two goes by. You know, and they've had you know the morning at the zoo, and they had the lunch and everything, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, she doesn't see. You know, she's watching TV in the front room, being Edna, and uh, she witnesses her uh, husband uh, walk right past her as she's sitting in the easy chair. And he has a nine millimeter Uzi semi-automatic gun, a pump action 12 gauge shotgun, and a nine millimeter strapped to his hip. What the heck? Whoa. What do you think she does? <sighs> what do you think she does? She, knowing that she got a nine on her, she probably she probably puts her hand on her gun, ready for action. Well, she didn't have it with her right now. She's watching TV. Oh, okay. Watching TV. Wait, she saw him just come out like that, right? Yeah, he came out of the hallway from the room with three guns. I said she jumps up and try to, like, see what he's doing. I think she told him, move, you're blocking the TV. Let's <laughs> <laughs> set him off. <laughs> I'll give Gabby a half point for that because that's pretty damn close. I mean, he's <laughs> she's like, what are you doing, honey? And he says, he replied, I'm hunting humans. What the heck? Now, according to her, when questioned later by police, that would mean in Canton, Ohio, that he's hunting gophers. He would shoot and kill gophers that would attack their yard. Mm. So I'm hunting humans. That's what it is. That's what he would call it. That was that was her excuse on why she did not even uh, alert the local authorities or try to stop him as he left the house. Dang. Yeah. And not just Edna dropped the ball in this one. The neighbors. There was some people washing their car outside. There was a couple people putting groceries away. And a couple nosy Karens looking outside their window as this uh, <laughs> you know, middle-aged bald man came out of his house um, with guns, clearly, on his, on his person. And said nothing or did not call the police. They were just like, eh. Yeah, they were just like, whatever. Like yeah so he he went on his uh, merrily way and um i'm gonna tell you from right now listener discretion is strongly advised oh lord yeah because again this is a case that should be known more than what it is and it's just not but it happened and it is factual unfortunately in so many ways <sighs> here we go here we go James enters the McDonald's that he was with his family at just two hours prior. It is now 3.40 in the afternoon. James would walk up to the counter and there was a person ahead of him ordering. As soon as that person pulled over to the side to wait for his food, there is about 40 to 45 people in this McDonald's. So it is packed. He pulls a shotgun from his hip and points it directly at the guy taking the order. Oh. Everyone gasps as he pulls the trigger. <gasps> but it clicks. And there's a few people in there that think it's just a funny prank or a prank that the, you know, he knew the guy and he's just pranking the McDonald's staff because everyone freezes. You have a few like <laughs> chuckles, you know, and but everyone's quiet. And then it kind of goes back when the gun clicks and he puts it down. 
He just fools with it real quick. The guy who's ordering the food just like, shakes his head and says, okay, what do you want, sir? Then out of nowhere, James points the gun at the roof, fires, and it goes off. Then it gets real. First of all, hold on. Hold on. You already know where I'm going. If someone does that to me, and they shoot a gun, I don't care if it's fake or not, whatever, and I hear a click and nothing happens, I'm charging that dude. Because I don't want, you know, another opportunity for him to say, oh, okay, you know, you know, there was nothing in that chamber or something. I'm charging him. I don't, I'm not about to lie. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Why didn't they do that? Well, I'm, I'm telling you the same thing, bro. Like, like I would do the same thing. If the problem is, nowadays, that's probably everyone's, like, like they stopped that uh, Asian guy from killing uh, more people there. Remember in Los Angeles? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was at another place trying to kill mm-hmm. more, um, Chinese. And that guy stepped in. Yeah, the guy stepped in, took the gun. Now, that's today's world that we live in. This That's is right. 1984. This is 1984. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, okay. You're right. No, you had you. You're right too. It's just the fact that you wish those people had that mentality back then. Man, I'm telling you, had someone stepped in and did what Matt was saying, or if Matt was there, if he could time travel and quantum leap, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this tragedy would not take place. Oh. So immediately after the bullet goes into the ceiling, right away. James is yelling, get the F down, get under your tables, shut up. And he, and, uh, he goes, uh, else, else you're going to die. He starts threatening people. And basically half of the staff runs to the back. The other half stays at the counter and is just like frozen. Everyone else starts crawling under tables, men, women, and children. Um, so this is a, this is a very, very tense scene. And um, what happens is Nova Kane, I think, or Nova Kane. Uh, no, Nova Kane. It's not Nova Kane. Sorry. <laughs> it's, I think it's Nova. It's 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 either an Indian name or or a very very Hispanic name that I can't pronounce. But she was 22 years old at the time and fresh off of her honeymoon trip that she took a week prior as McDonald's manager. Mm-hmm. Dang. She screamed for the employees to get under the table and not stand there. And I guess when she decided to do that, he pulled out his Uzi and shot a couple rounds into her, one of them going right into her eye and and one into her chest and killing her instantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, John then would go to John Miller, who was uh, right next to him, the guy that he first pointed the shotgun at and would shoot him twice in the shoulder and in the arm and he would hit the ground and play dead so john miller went down Uh and as they did this everyone in the freaking place now if they had any opportunity or maybe they had any ideas of running decided not to and that's going to play into part two really not that many people ran out what so they all stayed where they were they were you were too scared but I mean, if you're killing people, you don't care. I mean, it's different if it's a hostage situation, but he's already proven he's can, he can shoot to kill. I mean, at this point, you're just like, oh, hell no, I got to get out of here. You know, take my chances. Yep. Yep. And that's what they should have did. But, you know, hindsight being what it is, and I'm not trashing the victims in this one. I just wish they had ran out. I really. Yeah, for real. He then proceeded to call them swine and Vietnam trash in 
incredibly, none of them were Viet- Vietnamese or even Asian. How about to say, were they any Asians there or just no? Wow. So yes, he 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 just spouted stuff off, and he said that he was a veteran of the Vietnam War, and that he killed a thousand people in his lifetime, and he'll kill a thousand more if he has to. Mm. So as he, so as he actually talked for a for a couple minutes and was, you know, going into some sort of banter, Victor Rivera, age 25, got up and said, please stop. Can we just talk about this? Can you let the men or can you let the women and children out, please? Like, like I'll stay. And, you know, James let him talk for about 30 seconds, but then he started yelling, shut up. And each time he said, shut up, he pumped a bullet into Rivera's body. <sighs> he shot him 14 times. Yeah. And then he stood over him as he took his last breath. Like watching the life go right out of him. The place is stunned silent at this time. Stunned silent. Because, I mean, imagine seeing or hearing something like that. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's the people, the workers that ran out the back, there was no back door for them to run out from? At this time, the McDonald's had three exits. Mm-hmm. The back, the, the restaurant did not have an, uh, what is it? Uh, it had an exit door in the back of the store, but it gave off an alarm. And also it was like, he was keeping these people close. So like he, the woman before she was shot to death, she had a Nova. She had the people go to or behind some couple of them went in the freezer. The, the other ones stayed on the outside or behind it. They did not make a dash to leave the restaurant. Even if it set off an alarm, they didn't do it. He had a good eyesight of those people, too. And he was in the middle of the dining area, which there was a door on his west side, his east side, and then there was the main door that came yeah. to the middle. So he I remember, not to cut you off, I remember the McDonald's when I was little. There was only three doors, the entrance and the two side doors. Yeah. So he had he had a good view of everything. So if someone made a break for it, I mean, it should have been like people making a break on both sides or on all sides. And then he would have, you know, some unlucky people would have been hit on one of the doors, but the others would have got out. But that didn't happen. So. So now you heard is after the silence, you heard some screaming, you heard some chattering and praying. Um, and you just didn't want to be noticed by the shooter. Survivors said after this. But after killing Rivera, he went to an adjacent table that was occupied by um, by Maria Silva, 19 years old. She was shot point blank in the chest and died instantly. Ugh. He took the shotgun and just blew her away. Um, then he pulled out a nine millimeter and shot nine year old Claudia Perez four times, twice in the chest and twice in the head, killing her instantly. Oh, man. Yep. Um, during the shooting of the nine-year-old, um, the 15-year-old sister was shot in the hand, and Aurora Pena, that was 11 years old, uh, was also shot. As James switched to a shotgun, he fired one into her leg, and he missed her head because her aunt, 18-year-old Jackie Reyes, who was six months pregnant, was trying to shield her and took one of the gunshots intended for the 11-year-old. Yep. So pissed off that the sister who was pregnant was shielding her sister, he switched to an Uzi 
and unloaded oh. and unloaded the entire clip into her body. Oh, dang! Pregnant, killing her, and obviously in her unborn child. Oh. Now, if that's not hard to stomach, this one's a little bit more harder to stomach. She had an eight eight month old that was sitting in the high chair. Oh no. The bullets that were raining down on her mom freaked out the eight-month-old. She started screaming. She started screaming. And imagine the just the fear and the and you can't do anything, or you just you're too scared to do anything. But this kind of atrocities are happening right in front of you. you you're praying that the eight-month-old can be quiet and he could not focus on the eight-month-old, but he focuses on the eight-month-old. And the bastard took out his nine millimeter and put two to the head. Mm. Killing the eight month old. Alright. Yeah, man. That child never knew life, pretty much. Nope. Nope. Now blood is blood is covering the McDonald's floor at this point. They don't have cell phones at this time either. No cell phones, nope. It was eighty four. You don't even have those big, you know, uh tumor phones. You but neighboring like buildings, like nothing around, nobody can hear all this. No, I'm glad you're. you're I'm, I'm gonna get to that. But remember, this is in the first few minutes of this thing taking off, and, okay. and, and there's gonna be some stuff that's gonna go down that changes how everything, how we approached these kind of shootings years in advance and later on, because some of this will really piss you off. All right. So unfortunately, again. I, even with all this carnage, no one tried to make a freaking exit. Yeah, beeline. And he's moving kind of quick. This isn't like, you know, he's taking minutes in between killings. He's doing this all at once, or as soon as he finishes off one person, he's moving to the next. And he came down to 62 year old Lawrence Herman Gus Forellis. Lawrence was just one week away from retirement. Mm. James shot him in the head, killing him instantly. Then James looked around the play area, and as James appeared to to go into the play area, he found uh, some people huddling behind the play set, and it was uh, the Herrera family. Blythe Herrera, the husband, uh, Blythe Herrera, the mother, the husband Arnold, their son Mateo, and his friend Keith. Ronald, the father, was shot in the chest, arm, back, and head. And Keith, uh, he, he was uh, shielding Keith with his body. Um, Keith was shot in the wrist and shoulder, but Blythe, his wife, and her son, Mateo, their son, Mateo, were shot multiple times in the head and died instantly. Damn. Somehow, when he went into the play area, nobody then reacted, like, stay low and get out the door? Everyone stayed huddled. They, it's either f- flight or f- flight, and they chose fright. I mean, I'm not condemning them or anything like that but it's just the whole restaurant was just shield and terror it's just dang they stayed in place nobody made a beeline for it unfortunately that's what that was what's so frustrating about this because you really wish people would have I do yeah now what happened next is after he shoots the family of four he goes over to another group that was in the play area 24 year old Guadalupe Del Rio and her two friends, Gloria Ramirez, 23, and 31-year-old Eris Delcy Vargas. Yes, I think. Uh, Guadalupe was shot uh, but not hit um, 
anywhere serious because she was being shielded by Gloria and uh, Eros, but uh, she sustained non-life-threatening um, gunshots. But Eris Delcy uh, was not uh, so lucky. She was shot multiple times in the back and the head, and she actually hung on for hours in that state um, through the whole situation and into her making it to the hospital, but she would die at the hospital later. Mm. So as he would leave the play area, however, Keith, the friend of Mateo, you know, from the Herreras would drag the um, father through, through one of the doors somehow and not was seen. So those two got out to where an off duty police officer had heard gunshots and came over and would drag the two into the post office, which was just next door to McDonald's. So now you have a police officer that is seeing something's going on. They're telling him that pe- people are getting shot to death. This guy's not doing ransom. He's just killing people for the fun of it. Um, as this is going on, James takes a little break as you do, cause you're tired from killing people. He starts. Oh, sipping, James. Yeah, he starts sipping on sodas, eating French fries of those that are dead, or, you know, they're still huddling under the, the table. Um, he would pull out a little battery-operated radio, and turn it on to some music, and just start dancing and start taunting the bodies of the victims. Are you for real? Yeah. What do you mean by taunting? Uh, shouting obscenities, saying racial things, and also. Uh, just laughing at the people dead. Oh, God. And then he would pull out his Uzi and start basically, and I don't know what they made their windows out of back then, but they weren't shattering all the way. So he was shooting out the windows, but they were just leaving bullet holes and kind of leaving spider webs to where you couldn't really see out or in. Mm. That would play a big part later on. So he's shooting at the windows. He's not shattering them completely. So... Uh, while all this craziness is going on, the officer, off-duty officer Miguel Rosario calls into the, his um, agency and says, dude, we're having a mass shooting down here at the McDonald's. you got to get down here. Uh, you know, there's there's multiple victims. There's a shooter inside, active shooter. Please come down, blah, blah, blah. Call everybody. Um, you know, I've got two bloody victims here. We need medical attention. Like He's, he's like, hey, man, call in the, call in the army. Go, call in whoever you got. Bring them down here. And uh, so the 911 operator, who was located in San San uh, San Diego, not San Ysidro, which is not in the same town. Guess what this operator does? Oh, oh Lord, she's. Uh, I guess she sends uh, them to San Diego McDonald's or something. Gab. Yeah. Uh, she thinks it's a joke. No, she actually takes it serious. Matt Matt gets the point in this one. She sends them to a yeah. McDonald's. Oh dear. They so, so basically you send the resources from San Diego because it's like a you know, it's a five alarm fire basically for police. They're they're all hands on deck. Multiple SWAT team units, cops, everybody are all gonna go down to the wrong McDonald's, set up a perimeter in the wrong city, two miles over. Oh, so they go over there. Valuable time lost. Exactly. Um, so again, this is only about three or four minutes into the shooting, and the the cops are headed the wrong way. And so so that's mistake number one. And then the mistake number two is they have a Johnson 
that he walks in there once he finds out you know there's no you know we're at the wrong mcdonald's he's like well hold on a second i might as well make an order since i'm here can i get one of those fandangle oh man we gotta fire him we gotta fire him (laughs) and the mcdonald's person's like look the shamrock shakes are a seasonal thing we don't have them right now okay okay don't have to be all pissy about it how about one of those mcribs and they're like sir again we don't have those right now in season oh hell shucks all right let's go to the other one so they all take off that's not really what happened i'm just adding that by the way I know. <laughs> <laughs> so they they head from that situation two miles now they have to race back the other way and there's a whole 10 minutes lost in yeah. between. so when he's going from one person to the next yeah so he starts getting back to shooting people because had they had they gotten there, maybe some of this stuff wouldn't happen. But as he's taking a break and he was shooting out windows, Lydia Flores pulls up through the drive-thru and looks in and sees an active shooter. He takes aim at her car and he she hits reverse, floors it, and crashes into two cars. Luckily, she gets out as bullets were raining around her. He missed her. And she, mm. got, she got away. And she had a little nine-year-old daughter with her, and they they ran to the the parking lot. So now people on the outside are huddling behind cars because bullets are flying. And still, again, there's three sides to this McDonald's. Gunshots uh, raining down, windows broken. Unfortunately, this does not stop people from still trying to get into the McDonald's. Oh, What? Yeah. Here's my question. Does the off-duty cop tries to intervene he can't because at this time he's on the phone with superiors and he's also tending to the wounded he's waiting for fire and ambulance to get there as well got it and he's wondering why the hell is it taking so freaking long because the herrera Herrera father he survives with a gunshot wound in the head yeah it's only because the police officer was taking care of him well he stopped the bleeding and so it was it's just mass carnage at this point because he's only one officer you know, and then the rest are, are just citizens trying to hunker down, not get shot. But despite this, Felix and his family of three, his three-year-old daughter, approached the McDonald's from the outside. His his Felix thinks that there was just some sort of damage in the McDonald's and uh, there's nothing, you know, I guess the gunshots weren't. Uh, this was probably when he approached when James was taking a break. They parked their vehicle, walked out at the same time. And James saw him and started firing. He hit all three of them. Oh, oh man. He hit all three of them. Um, James uh, James hit uh, the father in the head. He hit the wife several times. He hit the baby. Um, however, uh, thinking he was dying, uh, Felix handed over the baby to a woman that was hunkered down behind a car and said, please take my, my daughter to the hospital. Um and he said, I'm not going to make it. And he kind of passed out. His wife was on the ground next to him. And she took the baby and took him, took the baby to the hospital. Luckily, some good Samaritans would pick up Felix and his wife, drag them to safety, and then also take them to the hospital. All three would survive. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even even with the, the terrible gunshot wounds, all three would survive. Um, the baby had no um, issues growing up. Fortunately, uh, the the only tragic part of their family, the trauma and the wife lost eyesight to her right eye. And um, 
uh, some uh, she lost also feeling to uh, one of her arms. So, mm. yeah, so she suffered with that. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, there's a lot of carnage in this. Uh, we keep moving on, and at the same time, three boys on bikes rode up to the McDonald's wanting just to get some ice cream. Um, cause you know, it's July and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's time for them to, uh, you know, they, they want to get some ice cream and cool off and they pull up on their bikes. And as they're coming by the East door, James opens fire. Mm. And he, these kids are 11 years old, all three of them. And the gunshots rains out. He hits uh, uh, Omar Hernandez, Joshua Coleman, and David Flores on their bikes. Um, 11-year-old Omar was hit, uh, and he went down. Uh, Flores was hit as well. Joshua was hit in the stomach and was forced to sit laying by his bike for over an hour. So he, he laid playing dead in front of the McDonald's for over an hour. Damn. He watched his friend David die within the first minute, noting that his chest stopped going up and down. And then here's the worst part. He heard his other friend Omar, 11 years old, begin to scream for his mother. And then five minutes later, he was trying to keep him talking and keep trying to keep him calm and telling him to be quiet. Um, he began to vomit blood. And then he just looked right into his eyes, David's eyes, and Omar took his last breath. Mm. Yeah. That was pretty mm. cool. Now, on the other side of the store, again, people keep coming up. A 69-year-old Alda Velasquez Victoria and her husband Miguel Victorious, Victoria, 74, approached the McDonald's. James shot the 69-year-old point-blank in the face with a shotgun. She dropped to the ground immediately. The husband um, came over, Miguel, and just began, just in shock, sort of like if she had something on her face and he's trying to wipe it off, was trying to wipe the blood that was streaming and pouring out of her head. Uh At the the same time, he looks back up at James and says, F you in Spanish and starts cussing him out to where James cold-bloodedly shoots him in the head, killing him instantly. So he killed them both. Killed them both. Mm. Yeah. This guy's a monster. So I, I lost count, but he's up to at least 12. Yeah, he's, I'll get to the final numbers, but... Okay. Yeah. But right now, I mean, this is a, this is a bloodbath beyond belief. So he, he's just laying, he's just spraying, spraying, spraying. Yeah. And and right now you would think that this feels like forty five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. This is just ten to twelve minutes into it. Man. Come yeah. on. So, unfortunately, like I said, this story is called seventy seven minutes. So you do the math. This went over an hour. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I was seventeen minutes. The boy played dead for over an hour. It's like, well, where is the police? Well, the police would get there 10 minutes later, which was about roughly from what they said, 15 minutes into the carnage. So they get there about this time when finally the the older couple were shot. 175 police officers 
including SWAT team, finally emerged to cordon off the whole area, do a perimeter, and move in and surround the McDonald's. Uh, about time. However, 15 to 30 minutes of the initial time that they're on scene, they're arguing with each other. Oh, dear. Who's in charge? SWAT team's like, hey, I'm in charge. I got all the weapons and I got the gear and everything. And the cops are like, we were here first. And it's like, oh. are you serious? Yes. They start arguing and they start. Lives are at stake and they're worrying about who is the boss. Yep. Screw all that. Just rush in there. You got 175 strong. He can't just rush them. I mean, they had shields back then, too. So it's not like they didn't have shields. Yes. For, you know, just the, go in there. Yeah. We'll take you know because at least if anything they'll draw the fire and they could have other people realize okay well there's where the gun is coming from shoot at it you know but they choose not to and when the cops get on scene as they're busy arguing for the first 15 minutes james gets the idea to shoot outside the windows and start shooting at the cops so now they're not only arguing with each other they're trying to get cover at the same time mm. so all hell is still breaking loose he has endless amounts of firepower it seems Guys like the off-duty police officer Rosario are screaming at the other cops to do something. Stop, you know, dicking around. And, um, you know, they're strategizing on how to to do this. And um, they're still outside while people are dying inside or on the outside. And, uh, you know, the survivors were, were just wondering what the hell is going on. What is taking so damn long? And all the while, James is in there still creating carnage because he's shooting outside, you know, and then when he sees that the cops are ducking down, at some point goes into the kitchen area where he hadn't explored yet. And he finds six of the workers huddled next to the freezer out of range. And he would tell uh, them to stand up to where Margaret, Margarita Padilla, 19 year old, um, she screamed for her life in Spanish. And I was just wishing she would stay quiet um, he shot her several times. He killed her. And then Pauline and Quino, and Quino Lopez, 21 years old, tried to make a run for the door. He shot her, killed her. 19-year-old co-worker Elsa hernandez Fierro, who was with Aquino trying to flee, she was shot to death as well. But the other three co-workers managed to make it outside the back door. Jeez. Why didn't they leave? That's what I was saying. They, they had all why, this time. Why run out the back when he went into the play area. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's one of the frustrating things. You know. Like if people. you're going to try and make a run for it, do it then because he's clearly not going to stop killing people. Mm-hmm. He's just going to keep doing it. Keep firing. I mean, some people just go into so sudden shock to, make you freeze. to where you just don't think, you know, you freeze. I mean, I mean, it's hard to, to realize if we were in that situation, we'd do the same thing. Maybe we'd freeze. Maybe we'd make a run for it. Maybe we'd do a hero thing like Matt. It's hard to say, but like hindsight being what it is, like, damn, why didn't you guys just run? You know, like, like he couldn't have got all of you. True. It's just, ah, oh, it's so sad. It is really it, sad. It is. Um, but nearly, nearly an hour into the situation, you know, like he's shooting at you know, pictures of the Hamburglar on the wall, soda machines, just everything. At this time, finally, the SWAT team comes up with an idea to put snipers on the adjacent roofs 
and they now give out the the uh, the call that if you get a clear shot, take it, take this bastard out right away. And then they're like, we can't again. Putting snipers on the the buildings should have been their first thing they did, and second, they should have then either rammed the the goddamn McDonald's with something, or sent officers in, you know, with shields and all that. But they did not do that. They were planning to, but they couldn't realize or, or make the decision when to do it. Immediately. At this point, there was no right time. Like, just do it. Yep. Now, going back to one of the girls, the young nine-year-old that was shot, she was playing dead. She had been shot in the shoulder and the the hand. She was shielded by her aunt that was shot 48 times by that Uzi. He unloaded the clip. 48? That's crazy. He must have had multiple clips and multiple ammunitions. He did. He had a duffel bag full of ammunition. Mm, no wonder so she's been you know she's been sitting there lying in blood so the moment she hears it quiet for a second she decided to open her eyes and as she opened her eyes James was looking right down at her oh no he pointed a shotgun at her and he shot her twice once in the shoulder and once in the face detaching her jaw from her face she was not dead what she was the only one that had remained in the McDonald's that had been shot to survive what the nine year old yeah she survived the four well being shot four times once right in the face wow then Jose Perez one of the workers that was shot earlier and wounded behind the um you know, one of the workers, he uh-huh. began to, he began to move a little bit, and uh, he was probably going to make it, but uh, he moaned. Unfortunately, James heard that, and he went over to him and finished him off. Mm. Later, oh, he's survived. Horrible. Yeah, he's he's a terrible person. I mean, if there is a hell, that dude should be rotting. You know, um, survivors would say that with all the carnage in the McDonald's picture this there was a good inch to two inches of blood that was on the floor from all the wounded covered. or dead covered the floor covered the floor yes gosh fire trucks were showing up at this point because they knew they had mass casualties and he began shooting at the firefighters so the SWAT started they they wanted to return fire but they didn't know where the people were they couldn't see through the damn windows they didn't want to hit any innocent civilians exactly they should have damn stormed the place stormed the place you got 175 strong mm-hmm. but finally at 5.05 p.m. a SWAT team member was on the top of the uh, Charles Foster was on top of the um, post office and he was looking through the east window and James was shooting and laughing outside. He finally broke and shattered a window that just fell to pieces. Because, I, again, I don't know if it was plexiglass or whatever, but that glass was not shattering. It had just spiderweb, spiderweb with each, with each gunshot. But he finally shot the glass to where it gave way, and it was a clear shot. And Charles wasted no time. He put a gunshot wound into dude's chest. With the, the power of the bullet... It was a through and through shot through his aorta, severing it automatically. You know, he blew his heart up. Jeez. It left a hole that they said they could shine a flashlight through his chest and it would go out his back. 
good. Yeah, he put him down right away. It's just a wish that this guy he was thrown five feet back after he was hit too. So he like Dang. that that bullet like just man. Dang, he blew him back. He blew him back, dude. So um he was dead right away. Then right away everyone rushed in there and police, fire department, um, and SWAT team members were just appalled at what they saw and they could not believe the damage that was in there. Well, their dumbasses could have made yeah, it less if they had reacted when exactly. they should have. Yep. Yep. So the thing that would happen with this is 911 system was completely revamped. More guidelines, more information had, you know, the way they they talked to people because apparently she wasn't clear on the, the information that, that Rosario, the off-duty officer, had given her. So there were sweeping reforms to the 911 situation. Um, SWAT team members now, they the whole Los Angeles and San Diego counties would change the way that they worked with their SWAT team, meaning that if it was a hostage situation, a shooting situation, the cops were um, automatically to give up the um, control to the SWAT team and because of the arguments. So the police had to get reform. The SWAT team was also taught that they could not stand by and let things happen if they had an active shooter. It, they had to go in right away or, you know, get as much information as possible in as much in fast time as possible because the, the fact, I mean, local city lawmakers and the, the, the people in the community were so pissed that so many people lost their lives. They felt that half of the carnage could have been prevented or more. Absolutely. So this brought all kinds of lawsuits against the city, against the police department, against McDonald's, against everything that was tied by mcdonald's you'll see in a minute okay uh, so the i don't know if you've seen the movie the founder it's yes, the, i have yeah the the founder of mcdonald's who basically stole the stole the company from the mcdonald's brothers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. michael keaton yeah michael keaton <laughs> not, michael oh, I'm keaton. Sorry, not him but <laughs> the guy he played the guy he played yeah yeah the founder had died at this point but his wife was still in control of mcdonald's um she felt so bad that she would pay for everyone's funeral uh, expenses of all the family members that you know so that they wouldn't have to take on the, the responsibility of burying their their dead mcdonald's took care of it however there was some controversy which got her sued and her corporation because she would then pay for james's funeral the shooter what yes what i don't know how that happened but he his uh, etna got the money to pay for james's funeral yeah, man, no. He didn't even deserve a funeral. I'm sorry. Yep. So all in I'm all, not gonna lie. I probably, if I were one of them flop person, I probably would have unloaded a clip on his dead body. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, he got it pretty easy if you think about it. Yeah, he, he died. He died before he hit the ground. Yep. I mean, that bullet just it ripped his heart in in pieces and left a hole. I mean, he had no chance. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm assured that he was probably banking on that. I don't think he was going to come back living after that. So he knew he was going to go out. But 21 people would lose their lives, including the unborn child. So that would make 22. But technically, people count 21. 19 were wounded. Now, what do you think happens to that McDonald's? I say they take... Well, what should have happened is they tear it down so that other people won't be traumatized when they go in there again. Gabby? 
Yeah, I agree. That's what should have happened. But I feel that they closed it off, repaired it as fast as they could, and reopened. You both are... What she said. (laughs) Well, Renee, you guys are both right. You know what, man? (laughs) I didn't mean it in that term. (laughs) You insinuated, my friend. You insinuated. Yeah, you were disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hey, wait, he said his name. (laughs) <laughs> um, but you guys are both right and, and Gabby especially because it took them two days two days to then start on cleaning up the blood and refurbishing the McDonald's to where in a week it was ready to reopen what? stupid man stupid but why though man nobody wants to go there again yeah, I mean, this is a story that at the time in 1984 would make national headlines. So so people were getting interviewed. You know, this was a huge story because at the time in 1984, this was the deadliest mass shooting. Now, again, we've had mass shootings like every week, it seems. There's something going on here. In, in the, yeah, and it's, it's really sad. It's become a way of life, unfortunately. You don't know if you're going to the car wash for the last time or to yeah. Home Depot or your kids are going to school. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. But this was so random and just not a thing. You know, this is 84. This is before Columbine. This is about what? How many years before Columbine? I think Columbine was 96 or something like that. 97? It's somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. So you're you know, almost a whole decade, you know, or over a decade later before this started to become a thing. So, yeah, this this was crazy. And... um so they're getting ready to have a whole new opening for the renovated McDonald's and the community leaders and the family members are just picketing outside of the McDonald's. They're, they're trying to get news coverage. The news gets a hold of it. And all of a sudden McDonald's is public enemy number one. And they decide, okay, we're going to tear down the McDonald's. We're even going to tear up the concrete. We don't want any trace of this place. And, um, they also say we're not going to advertise in the San Diego area for a month because mm. you know, anything McDonald's right now is just, you know, it's not going to go over well. Mm. So they decide to do all that. And then the owner says, um, you know what? Um, if you guys, you know, we'll, we'll donate the land to the community and you guys can have it. But if you guys erect a monument, you cannot put McDonald's on the monument. You can list the, the the casualties and the people involved, but there cannot be any golden arches. That's the only thing that will break our deal with you giving you the land. So that's so what it's happened. like, yeah, do your thing, pay your respects, do your monument, don't involve us. We got nothing to do with it. Pretty much. We washed our hands of it. Wow. Yeah, so good old McDonald's. Um what it is today, if you go to that area in San Ysidro there are 21 pillars and uh you know they're they're not big pillars but they're you know there's a monument in front of it and that represents each life that was lost has the name of the person on it and it's in front of now a the local community college purchased the land from the city and they have a dorm room there but in front of the dorm room is the monument and it's Mm. It's kind of classy it looks kind of classy so it's but it does not have any mention of mcdonald's in any way on it and wow. as I wrap up the story, there's a last bit of information about the massacre. Um, Etna would sue McDonald's 
for $5 million, James's uh, estranged wife, mm -hmm. she blamed it on what? What do you think she sues McDonald's for? Their food. Their food, the Happy Meals, the Big Mac, the Quarter Pounder, <laughs> you and guys, the You guys are on it, man. Uh, it was actually the chicken nuggets. <laughs> I'm not <to> that. <laughs> <laughs> she that said, is just like clearly you just trying to get money out of something so stupid. Yeah, she sued for five million dollars, Gabby, for I guess she must have, was denied. Yeah, she she must have found out that they make that pink slime. If you ever want to YouTube how they make chicken nuggets, look how oh, yeah. look at the pink slime that they turn into chicken nuggets. That might turn you away from eating chicken nuggets, but the she said that they warped her, his mind. And then she also would file a $7 million lawsuit to the welding um, company and union because she said the inhaled um, shavings from the metal that he did also played tricks on his mind, which caused oh, like asbestos, something like that. She tried, she tried getting $12 million between the two and surprise, surprise, the um, lawsuits were both thrown out of court. Of course. Uh, because they were pretty much uh, had no basis whatsoever, and uh, I think the worst thing that she could have did to you know as as a wife besides not stopping him was allowing her her kids to go to school with some of the uh, victims or the ones because her her daughter still went to school and stayed in the San Ysidro area, and uh, I believe they were either elementary or junior high at the time, but they had to play out their junior high and high school years with either family members in those schools that lost their lives to their father or there was victims that would have been going to school with them that did not make it because of their father. So they had to endure that their school years. And that's sad because it had nothing to do with them. Yeah. But I get the retaliation from the victim's family. I get it. But it had nothing to do with them. They, they had nothing to do with yeah, them. Yeah, this was all in this twisted, sick mind of that man's basically yeah he just and again she tried to bring up the idea etna of the fact that you know he was just uh, she didn't know hunting humans didn't mean gophers but he hadn't hunted humans quote unquote since they were in canton and he's bringing out some pretty big weapons to shoot at gophers and especially i could see in canton ohio where you have like a farm or you have a big yard with a house and everything mm -hmm. but you're in an apartment complex in an overcrowded San Ysidro area. There's no go there's no gopher. Ain't no gophers over here. Yeah. So um at this point she's still alive but off the grid. The the daughters are off the grid as well. Um I would be. I would never want to recognize that was my father. And one of the daughters would come out saying later on, I think it was in the um documentary that she actually um could hear gunshots and she saw the police getting to the McDonald's eventually outside their window of the apartment because it was like an upstairs apartment. Mm. So, yeah, that's the last bit on that story. But that is the 77 minutes of hell. I'm surprised that he was that twisted and didn't kill his wife. That's what I, he always had the issues with. That's what I was going to say, because when you when you said that she walked would he walked by her when she was on the couch, I honestly thought he was going to turn around and shoot her point blank. I thought he was going to kill his family. I, first. I did too. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah, that's but what that you should be. Seventy seven minutes though. No, I'm not, I'm relieved he didn't do that. I, Obviously, I his agree. daughter didn't deserve that. It's just like 
his problems were in his family, mainly the wife. And then the job, I thought he would retaliate against the job. But why a McDonald's? Chicken nuggets. He must have seen when they were there earlier that there was a lot of people there. Or he might have scoped it out. I don't know. I mean, we'll never know. Was it like bitter that these people were there happy celebrating and he was miserable? Probably. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, why pick the McDonald's? Yeah. Like, if you're going to be angry at life and do something, aren't you going to be angry at those who caused you to be so miserable, according to you? I think you probably nailed it with that one. You know, seeing other people happy and jolly and having a good time may have triggered him to say, you know, these people don't deserve it. You know, I lost my job. I can't use my arm. My family's blah, blah, blah. So I want them to How did he manage to kill that many people with his stupid arm? I mean, when you got a Uzi clip and a shotgun, you know, that's instant kills right there. Yeah, and these people aren't exactly trying to move out of the way either. Exactly. They're just sitting, you know, a sitting target, you know, so... Oh, man. That sucks, man. See, I... This is why I believe, like... I don't agree with people trying to complete... Like, to... I guess to an extent, like, you want to eliminate weapons. You want to eliminate guns. Because they're a danger. Yes, they are. And a lot of people use it in a very horrible way. But then you have those who just want to have it because maybe they enjoy... Like, as a sport, out shooting, I I like it. I'm one of those people that like to go shooting, like, at a target, you know? I enjoy doing that, learning about that. But not in my mind, it's not like, oh, I want this so I can, you know, whoever pisses me off, I'm going to get rid of them. Yeah. A lot of people have it to defend their household, like, in case of an emergency. But here's the thing. If there weren't weapons to begin with, like, who would need to defend themselves from them? So you wouldn't really need them. Mm-hmm. it's such so a it's, it's hard such, yeah because it's such a gray area you know with, mm-hmm. with with weapons in general like a lot of people are like well you know you should only be able to have like a six shooter or a nine millimeter or less or 22 you know you shouldn't have anything bigger but if you're going to a shooting range why isn't it you know why can't you just shoot off an uzi or you know shoot off a big weapon because it is a hobby too you know it's so i mean people outside of america really don't understand you know this this country was founded on guns and violence pretty much so like people grow up around guns i mean you have to protect yourself you know living in the rural areas um people hunt with that kind of stuff like gabby says you know they they shoot i mean a big thing in america is paintballing and and uh you know the um what is it called the airsoft so those are like you know semi-automatic weapons and then people graduate from those to the real thing so it becomes a part of your heritage, part of your family. Um, you know, people. You know, it's not just you know, like Gabby. She's she's a wife and and a and a mother. She likes shooting guns. I mean, there's grandpas that do it. There's you know, young kids that do it. It's it's just a gray area, you know. So like recently, because of all the mass shootings, you know, the problem is the guns getting into the wrong people's hands. Yeah, that's what it is. Because you've had, for the most part. You know, people are pretty responsible with their weapons. Now, accidents happen. You hear about, you know, kids getting into a gun, shooting a sibling or a parent or themselves by accident because the parent didn't hide the gun or didn't lock the gun or whatever. There's stuff that's always going to happen like that. But as far as mass shootings, you always look at, you know, hey, man, this person showed this kind of crap. Why did they get a gun? How did they get a gun? You know, so 
That's... I really think there has to be like a stricter enforcement on that. Like, if you want to have a weapon in order to have the permit to have it, you should be psychologically evaluated. It shouldn't just be a let me do a paper test and you pass that because you have a knowledge on guns, then you I get agree. a permit. Like, I agree. Any psycho can have a knowledge on guns. But if you notice, not to cut you off, I agree with you 100%. But if you notice, most mass shooting happens where they feel that there won't be anyone there to defend themselves. You figure, you know, a nightclub or, you know, uh, just at the last one, there was the, the one over here in, in LA, over there in the downtown Chinatown. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a party. You know, ain't nobody really carrying a gun at a little uh, party or something like that with elderly people. You know, this McDonald's. No one's thinking of carrying a gun at McDonald's. It's, you know, it's supposed to be a happy place. You know, so I think a lot of time mass shooters are cowards, and this guy for sure was. You know, so I feel like if everyone had a license, or not just, not everyone, but those who have a license should carry it all time because they could stop something like that from happening. If there was just one person in that McDonald's at the time that had a gun, maybe, you know, he doesn't kill as many people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the unfortunate thing. It was a different time. And, um, you know, you just don't see that back then. But nowadays, like you said, like you guys have been saying, like these people can get, you know, if, if the government knows exactly when your registration's up, when, you know, um, your taxes are due, when you're late on things, Oh, there, should yeah. a, there should be a system for this as well. They should know that, oh. hey, man, um, three years is coming up. You should go in for a psychiatric evaluation. Like, yes. yep. like Have Gabby. you had any road rage incidents? Have you had any, you know, check all those things. Yeah, if their mental state's not there, I mean, dude, okay, confiscate the guns. Yep. I have no problem with that. I Look, I'm all for people's rights, but but then again, it's the same if you're starting to beat your wife and you're showing tendencies that you're escalating stuff. Yeah, there should be some intervention by local enforcement. So I'm, I'm, I'm that way with guns because you can prevent something if you have that kind of, you know, or if, you know, how many times have we, we've done stories, too, where people have gone on Facebook or Instagram and wrote some cryptic crap. Yep. And then people are like, oh, man, I didn't think he was serious. Well, speak up, stupid. You know, you could have you <laughs> stopped something. Yeah. You know, I mean, pe- people are, are, you know, if they're not going to show displays of emotion, they usually go on social media, too, and write mm-hmm. some pretty crappy stuff. And, and if someone's paying attention. You could see when someone's going through something mental. Absolutely. Yep. They put it out there. And even if they don't post something, like they physically don't type something out, just watch their post of what they may share. They might share a video of someone, you know. Um, crying out for help and there's a quote or something you know what I'm saying they share that a lot that to me even is a sign for help they might not physically tell you I need help but if they're sharing videos from other yeah yeah, they're hinting that's a hint you know there there was a serial killer they just busted uh, last month that uh, he he wrote something um, on uh, Facebook about there's a special place in hell it's called a throne and um, he's he's uh, he's not sad for what he just did and it was on a date when a woman went missing. He ratted on himself, and then they busted him for two other killings that he did prior to that. Mm. So, you know, when the cops, the cops, someone spoke up, and he was caught because of that. Yeah. Good. So, I mean, that's what it, sometimes it takes. But uh, sometimes it's good to be a Karen. <laughs> yeah. 
it's not always great. It's not always great. Freaking annoying, but in circumstances like that, like yeah, open your freaking mouth and tell people so that no others can lose their life. But some people, you know, a lot of people are so stupid that they encourage it. Mm-hmm. Their <laughs> comments just encourage the person rather than stopping or diffusing the situation. Fight the system, man. Don't let them hold you down. Yeah, go away. Then someone's trolling, like, yeah, you tell them, man. They're laughing, like, yeah, whatever. And then they, they find out something happens. I didn't think he was going to do it. Yep. So, yeah, but that's <sighs> that's unfortunately the story. 77 minutes of hell at a McDonald's. So it took an over an hour and 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Well... That's unfortunate for all the victims there. Um, and thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story. I'll just say I one thing. Wish- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, my last thing was I can't get over when I was doing the research of an inch to two inches of freaking blood sitting on the floor. Ooh, that that, that like, really, yeah. That's, that's like when, when Moses, when they turned the water, the Red Sea into blood. Like, that's what I could imagine, you know, just them walking on a pool of blood. You know, that's crazy. But my my last thing was, please, man, you know, if you got an opportunity, just run out the door. I'm not saying fight the guy, but just if you got an opportunity to save yourself and save others and save your family, take it. You know, I know it's scary and I know you might freeze up, but, you know, it could be your last opportunity. You know, so if you got you got a one small gap of window opportunity to leave in a situation where it's life or death, take it. That's my last thing. I agree. So, any final words, Cap? No, I'm mad. I hate how easy he went out, and I wish they had reacted earlier, but they deserve the lawsuits. They deserve whatever they had to pay because that was wrong. Worrying about your stupid ass. Who's the boss? I got here first. Like, shut the hell up. Just run in there. Do your job and go in there and save people. I'm sorry. If I'm on that SWAT team and I'm 176 strong, I'm getting me and the closest, one of my closest partner who's in that, you know, on the team's like, hey, bro, y'all figure that out later. We got people to save and run up in it. My, I, I'm just built different. I'm sorry. But I'm quite sure me, Todd, even Gabby Gab would have went there like, hey, let's go. We got things to do and just run up there. We got riot seals, like you said. Use them for a reason. Yeah, I mean they could have draw the they could have drawn the fire because they their biggest thing was we can't see where he's shooting from because the windows are all shattered or he's tried to barricade stuff up he's staying behind walls and I get that yeah I, I get, get that too but I mean if if you if you see you know the bullets flying out of a certain window hell shoot right back you know shoot but back you already it, know you already know it's one person exactly and everyone is bunkered down in a situation like that he already told you get down under the table. People are down. Nobody's standing up. So except for the shooter. So just aim. You know, even if you can't see, if someone's not just spray and go. What I'm saying is, if someone's shooting out the window, obviously you know it's the vic, uh, the the not victim, but the the suspect. Shoot back at that window. At least a couple of bullets. Something. Or keep a couple of bullets. Keep them honest. And if it's 175 of y'all, he can't know. shoot. <laughs> I don't know if it's stupid how I think, but here's here's the way I think. If I'm a victim and I'm in there and I'm huddled and I want somebody to come and do something like, 
At this point, I'm not worried about the cops shooting at random and me possibly getting hit. This guy's going to kill me anyway. Yeah. Right here, right in my face. That's true. I'd rather take the chance of maybe getting a bullet by accident, by them killing him and stopping him and saving everyone else, than you waiting for the right moment to see him so you can do something. Yep. I'll take my chances. Like, at that point, I'm dead anyway. Yeah. Yeah, there's not many options you have right there, basically. But, I mean, yeah, people... Fear can, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Being in that situation, if I would have frozen or what would I do with my kids, like, that would be horrible. I don't know how I'd react. Well, like I tell Gabby all the time, if anything happens when we're out in the public and we're with the kids, I always tell her, hey, y'all flight, y'all leave. I can handle myself. I'm not saying I'm big badass or anything like that, but if I'm dead, I'd rather just be me. You know what I'm saying? If I can get out of the situation, I'll figure it out. I'll try to figure something out. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but I've already told her, get in the car, leave me alone. Don't worry about me. You're good. Yep. Yeah. And I'm quite sure you, you, you say the same thing with you, Todd, you know? Oh yeah. Women and children yes, first. If I got to yeah. make a beeline to try to take the person out or, you know, distract them, you, it's going to suck for you, you know, you know, yourself, but man, if, if you know that you could buy time for somebody else, because exactly. I'm pretty sure if, if someone had just jumped them or had an opportunity, because we don't know if they had a clear opportunity or not, but if someone had a clear opportunity and they were able to at least wrestle him to the ground, even if they lost the fight, I'm pretty sure most of those people would have gotten up and ran for the exits. Yeah. I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure. You know, at least most of them. And then you wouldn't have the tragedies of losing all those kids and losing mm -hmm. those teenagers. It's just a really tough situation to be in because... You're also focused on shielding your children. Yeah. So it's like you getting up and trying something might give the opening for him to just kill your whole family. So it, it's just a tough spot to be in. Yeah. Sure I think the stupidness here was from the cops, was from the SWAT, everybody. Oh, yeah. Screwed up. yeah. It's starting with that stupid yeah. operator. No blaming the victim whatsoever on, on our on our banter right now. We're just, we're just sad that no one ran out you know that's all yeah like i said there was lawsuits that we don't know the money that went to the families if they got any if they how much they got if they did all that was kept behind closed doors but we do know that there was a lot of reform to the police the, the 911 operator system and uh, the swat team i mean the local law uh, local um, government did step in a lot to try to change things because they didn't want a repeat of this and just because it looked bad I mean, I mean, obviously it was a, a terrible situation, but when you have, like Matt said, 175 strong, something should have happened. There's uh -huh. no excuse for it to take that long. I agree. So. I agree. Yep. Well, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that un unfortunate story. And um, thank you, listeners, for listening in to a another episode. Uh, we're going to sign off with that. But before we do, real quickly, uh, let you guys know, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime. Um, and there you can find some of our content. And for those in the U.S., if you want to continue to listen to us, you can continue to listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And obviously those outside of the U.S. with our many fans, Strong. Uh, you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. All right. Well, that is it. Uh, we are signing off. This is, this is Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab. And 
Todd Fox. And we're out of here. Doodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>